Hey everyone, I'm your host, David. Uh, I lead research at Exponential. I'm also a fellow DeFi DGEN. Exponential DeFi is a platform where we want to bring more rationality into the space and make it more accessible to all types of investors. In DGEN Responsibly, we invite protocol builders to talk about their innovations, what makes their protocols unique, as well as how they manage and mitigate risk. Today, we have Unsheath as our featured guest. Um, and from, from the protocol, we have Wagami. Uh, before before jumping in, we always like to first ask our guests how they first got started in crypto or DeFi, and when did you decide to go all in? Awesome. I, hey, uh, very nice to uh, be here on the Spaces. Uh, thanks for hosting us. Um, yeah, so as for myself, I got into crypto back in 2013 or so. Uh, this is when sort of online poker had been shut down already, and I was... Uh, I used to be a very big uh, online poker player. And uh, yeah, sort of the only way to play online poker at this time that was really popular uh, was this website called Seals with Pups, uh, where you had to deposit Bitcoin. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you, you could play poker, online poker with Bitcoin. So that's that's how we all got started, me and my uh, friend circle. Uh, but then, you know, like that was so long ago and I would, you know, it was sort of a side thing. Um, but yeah, I would say I like sort of really went all in like, uh, you know, 2020 onwards. Uh, so my background's in uh, traditional finance. So I used to work for a uh, large macro hedge fund in flow construction and trading um, and had been doing that since pretty much, you know, since college, um, since my Bitcoin days. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like, uh, 2020 onwards, um, I've been dabbling in crypto DeFi, sort of applying, you know, my quant background to DeFi, it sort of lent itself well, uh, building systematic trading strategies and so forth. And then, yeah, joined Unsheath, uh, yes, uh, you know, basically building Unsheath now, which I guess, uh, yeah, Unsheath, really the idea was, um, as ETH staking, um, you know, as it becomes possible to withdraw ETH from being staked uh, after the Chappella upgrade, which went live a couple months ago, the idea was, you know, sort of this entire space, the ETH liquid staking space is going to take off. And uh, yeah, we've noticed that and I just want to be part of the ride. So sort of went super all in with Unsheet. Nice, nice. Yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack here. Uh, but before we dive deeper into Unsheath, um, just at a high level, could you could you sort of talk about uh, what LSD Phi is, um, one, and, and two, what, why has this been such a hot topic in this year? Uh, and, and just lastly, where does uh, Unsheath fit within that ecosystem? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I think if you look at the Ethereum ecosystem in total, um, so in total, there's, yeah, just at the macro level, there's like $220 billion um, in Ethereum. That's sort of the Ethereum market cap. And then, uh, you know, Ethereum obviously went to a proof-of-stake uh, blockchain network or like the the method of validation went from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake proof back in, I want to say October or something of last year. And uh, yeah, essentially what you see with other proof-of-stake blockchains is, you know, their the amount of their native token that stake uh, ranges between like, you know, 50 to 80%. Whereas at Ethereum, it's only 15%. And the reason for that is kind of obvious because um, essentially, you know, we didn't start as a proof of stake network. So therefore, 
and also there's a lot more to do on ETH. So yeah, you know, people are paying uh, ETH as the gas token for a number of things. So it's just hard to have like it all staked. But um, you know, essentially what I was referring to, there's this thing called a Chappelle upgrade that went live a couple months ago, which made it possible for um, users who would uh, stake their ETH to withdraw their ETH back into native ETH. So this just meant that like staked ETH is essentially now fungible with native ETH. And sort of a lot of people are predicting that, you know, the, the percentage of staked ETH is going to go up a lot. Um, because when you stake your ETH, you not only help secure the network, which is sort of good for everyone, but also you're earning the network fees and uh, the, the staking yield, which is essentially network fees plus inflation. And uh, it's sort of like you're just earning a yield on your ETH. So if you're going to hold ETH anyway, you might as well hold state ETH because you're helping secure the network and earning an additional yield on top. Um, so, so that's sort of where uh, liquid staking comes in. So what liquid staking does is takes your state ETH and provides a liquid wrapper to it. So you can essentially use that already state ETH uh, throughout DeFi in a totally composable manner. So anything that you now do with uh, LST, um, so liquid staking token, liquid staked ETH, whatever, uh, is now you can you can get basically what you were getting with ETH uh, plus the yield. So it's just like almost strictly better. And LSD Phi as a category is essentially taking what I think of it is essentially reworking DeFi to work with liquid staked ETH as sort of a base layer asset as opposed to ETH. Just because now everything comes with this five percent yield, before you even begin talking about like stacking it. So let me pause there. Yeah, to your point, um, for for ETH holders, if you're not staking, you're you're sort of losing uh, your value through through that annual inflation. Um, but um, yeah, why don't we dive into what the core product of Unsheath is? What, what's your core mission? What are you, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, so what, what Unsheath is trying to achieve is really like this, uh, well, first of all, we want to grow the liquid staking ecosystem that sort of, you know, we think of ourselves as, as sort of at the center of this ecosystem. And we want to grow it because we think it's it'll be good for the network to have more people participating, staking their ETH, etc. And then sort of the secondary mission, which is also one of the core values to us, is we believe that, you know, the ETH should be staked in a diverse set of validators. Um, it should not be the case that there is one single centralized point of failure um, where most of the ETH is staked. Now, already that's not the case today, but you can imagine, for example, if, you know, not to name any names, but if everyone staked their ETH with a single uh, centralized exchange um, that was, you know, that then, you know, ran into some regulatory troubles or something or lost their private keys in some way, then that could be like disastrous for the network. Um, because then, you know, you would have centralized points of failures at the network validation level itself. Um, now, that's not really the case today, but, you know, it, like if you look at sort of the market share of the various staking providers, uh, I think Lido now has like a third of all ETH uh, staked with them. Um, sorry, all the third of all the staked ETH is sitting with Lido and uh, like something like 75% of the liquid staked ETH is sitting with Lido. Of course, Lido is a DeFi protocol. Um, they have decentralized validator set, but nevertheless, there are centralized components to it, and so it would be 
better for the network from a protocol risk standpoint if you know all the ETH weren't sitting with a single operator. So what we saw coming is essentially a growth of liquid staking providers, and we want to help them grow, and we want to help uh, pursue this mission of decentralizing the network. Um, so what Unsheet does as a core product is um, when a user comes and stakes their ETH with Unsheet, it's as though they're staking their ETH uh, with all the different liquid staking tokens that we support. So Unsheath is essentially a diversified basket of liquid stake ETH. Uh, so we accept deposits from six different liquid staking protocols. So these include uh, Coinbase, Lido, Frax, Rocket Pool, Anchor, and Swell. And essentially, users can deposit any one of these tokens or unstaked ETH. And, in, and essentially, they get a basket, uh, which is Unsheath, which itself is a single ERC-20 token that represents uh, a, a share of staking in uh, each of these different protocols all at the same time. So that's sort of the core product. Um, now, uh, we have a couple of enhancements to, like, call it a pure index or ETF type product. And... Unsheet is essentially, you know, a liquidity pool as well as a uh, pure index product. So users uh, can swap between the different LSCs that make up Unsheet. And uh, essentially, just by holding Unsheet, they earn not only the staking yield, but also the swap fees. Um, so we, you know, essentially Unsheet beats the native staking yield uh, by virtue of these swap fees. And then the other feature we have is Unsheath is an Omnichain token. So if you look at sort of um, where all the DeFi activity is happening, uh, although most of the TVL lives on mainnet ETH, a lot of the like newer uh, DeFi protocols and a lot of the like active usage of DeFi happens on layer twos and alt L1s because uh, the gas fees are a lot cheaper. So you, you get like a lot of lot more innovation and activity there. So what we allow users to do is bridge their Unsheath onto uh, their queues and all the ones. So we're already live on BNB chain. Uh, we, we launched on Arbitrum uh, just uh, just this week. And uh, and yeah, we expect a lot of our growth to come from uh, these layer twos uh, where, yeah, essentially all the liquid staking tokens that we support aren't already live on all the L2s. So we take care of the scaling for them. So we help grow their liquidity, aggregate it, uh, scale it to millions of new users who wouldn't have, you know, uh, staked their ETH otherwise. Yeah, super cool. <clears throat> I think your Omnichain uh, strategy will is definitely a, a big, big driver of LSD5. Um, to your point, the, the gas fees on Ethereum are just sometimes too prohibitive for the average retail users. Um, but, you know, going back to, to your mission of promoting validator decentralization, you know, I you know people have been sounding alarms on, on sort of Lido's concentration of, of staked ETH it's approaching that that thirty three percent threshold, which can be can be risky for a network system. How how, how exactly does your uh, I guess ecosystem promote that that decentralization and, and shift towards more um, uh, uh, other LST tokens? Is it uh, th through a governance? bribe system or how, how would that work? Yeah, it's a good question. So essentially, um, every token in un that's supported by Unsheath has a target weight and a maximum weight. Uh, so essentially, all deposits and swaps 
um, that increase the weight of an LSC up to its target weight are essentially free for users to make. Uh, any deposit or swap that takes uh, the share of an LSC uh, or the weight of an LSC in Unsheet above its target weight, uh, there's a small fee that's charged that scales dynamically uh, the further away from target weight you get. And uh, and then, yeah, like no swaps or deposits are allowed above the maximum weight. So essentially what this means is that um, we essentially you know, charge people to put more in of an LSC than sort of our target weights. And uh, yeah, like it can never exceed its maximum weight in a sheet. Um, so now in terms of how these weights are set, uh, we initially started with uh, the four largest LCs and we simply equal weighted them because we didn't want to influence exactly, um, you know, how the, how the weight setting would go. Um, now, as we're adding more and more LSCs, what we're going to do, and we're in the process of doing this now, is we're essentially transitioning to a system where our governance token, us, or the staked form of it, uh, will be used to govern the composition of the unsheathed index. Uh, so, so essentially the way it'll work is uh, it's a two-step process. So essentially, um, newer LSCs will be able to apply for uh, being whitelisted into Unsheath. And once they're whitelisted, um, so the whitelisting criteria is primarily a risk-based criteria. So essentially, it has to be an LSC that's already been live, has a certain amount of CVL, has withdrawals live, is secure, all that good stuff. It can't just be you know, an LST that someone made up in their basement overnight, right? Um, so the whitelisting process involves a DAO governance vote. So essentially, the, the ush stakers have to vote on it. And then the second step of the process is essentially determining the target weights. And again, this is this right now we're in the process of setting up the system. Um, but essentially, each VD ush vote will correspond to a share of the unsheathed index. So if you think about unsheathed as like a plot of land, uh, the VD ush stakers essentially own like a part of the land and they can apportion that land uh, based on how much VDH they have to each different LST. And so LST protocols will be able to either, you know, stake us themselves or uh, participate in, you know, like you, like you mentioned, like a governance bribe market, uh, which we're setting up now uh, in order to increase the rate. But I would say this is all subject to uh, first and foremost, the risk considerations. So it can't be the case that like an LSE that, you know, I made up overnight and I can just sort of like buy all the Ush tokens and insert myself into the index. Like that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, and conversely, it wouldn't also make sense if, you know, the largest LSE, largest and most richest LSE like Lido came in, bought all the votes and essentially made uncheated to like Lido eat 99%. That also wouldn't make sense. So we have, um, yeah, we have some risk guidelines to essentially account for that. Gotcha. Okay. That makes, makes a lot of sense. I guess going into the, the index aspect of it, what is the sort of end goal? Is, is it ultimately, do you think there will be as more liquid staking protocols, uh, you know, emerge is unsheathed? It's going to in increasingly add these new tokens over time and it'll just be uh one giant basket is that the sort of the vision yeah i mean that's sort of the idea this time um now there is like uh 
So as far as the technology is concerned, the way we built it is that it's essentially infinitely scalable. Um, like you could add a hundred tokens and it, it should just work. Um, now I say should instead of will, because there's one small aspect to it, which is like, there's a small incremental like gas cost that gets added to the deposit and redemption functions every time uh, an LSE is added, just because you have to like account for the weights of every single LSD, which requires like sort of computing every single one. Um, now that's all like a fairly small consideration uh, in the grand scheme of things. And we have upgrades in progress to address that as well. Uh, but yeah, the way I'm thinking about it is that the core on sheet index will probably have, you know, right now we have six, let's say we'll probably scale to like 10 different LSEs in the next, uh, or 10 different LSEs are eligible for inclusion in the on-sheet index over the next uh, couple months. Um, and then, and then yeah, we'll just have a governance-driven process to determine who gets to share that index. But now what happens if there's like, you know, 50 different LSD protocols, right? That, that all want like, you know, 0.1% of on-sheet. Uh, so we have an idea for this, um, which is, I think it makes sense to sort of keep like the core unsheathed index, uh, the, you know, the core unsheathed token, you know, it's going to be like a billion dollars in TVL and like, we're going to have like institutional players who want to stake their ETH with unsheathed. Um, maybe they won't be so comfortable with like the long tail of LSD providers because the marginal diversification benefit beyond like, so when you have a number of like relatively uncorrelated assets. So they're correlated on price, but they're uncorrelated on the protocol risk, of course. Uh, so when you when you get above like seven or so, like the, the marginal diversification you benefit that you get is like de minimis from like a portfolio construction standpoint. So I, I don't think like you're getting much diversification benefit beyond that. Um, so what we're thinking of doing is sort of tranching uh, the unsheet product. So maybe there's like a different unsheet basket that has like the long tail LSC providers, uh, as well as like structured products built on top of ETH. So anything that's pegged to ETH that provides an APR that's competitive with uh, ETH's taking yield would be eligible for inclusion into this basket. So call it um, BGN unsheet or something, or like Kickstarter unsheet. And uh, yeah, you can have all kinds of cool products in here. So you could have uh, LP tokens, that are pegged to eat, you know, like the curve LP tokens that are like convex wrappers, auto-compounded. Uh, basically, things with like multiple layers of smart contract risk could be in this like different um, tranched basket. And then essentially the the combination of all of that could go into Unsheath as a single like token. So that way, you know, you're not having to keep track of like, you know, 30 different tokens in the core Unsheath index. And the, the risk of it is like managed separately and the like weighting of it is managed separately to the larger ones. Gotcha. Yeah. The charging idea sounds, sounds makes sense. And, and it would, would be really cool in my opinion. Um, going to sort of the, the swap side of it, uh, it seems like, uh, Unsheath is almost trying to be the, the curve of LSD five, um, where users come here they can swap between any any LSD tokens with with low slippage in terms in terms of that aspect where do you see uh I guess fees scaling over time uh for for the swap side 
Yeah, so I think this is uh, this is an interesting question because when we first started on Sheet, we weren't we weren't going out to you know build the best decks for LSDs or anything like that. It just happened to be the case that it made sense. So it hasn't been like our number one priority to scale the decks aspect of it or the fees aspect of it. Um, not to say that we can't. It's just that that hasn't been the priority. Um, so. I guess if you think about, you know, what drives the most volumes in terms of uh, LSD to LSD to ETH, um, sort of the, the highest volume pairs are LSD to ETH pairs, not LSD to LSD pairs, although LSD to LSD pairs can be translated into LSD to ETH pairs. Um, it's just another step. So in terms of having large LSD to ETH liquidity, which is what, you know, Curve and to some extent Balancer has focused on, uh, and now Maverick, which is the hottest new decks. Uh, yeah, like the more like ETH you have in the index that is not staked, the more essentially swap volume that'll run through your decks. But the downside is any ETH that's in there that's not staked um, is going to be sort of idle and not like it's it's not earning the staking yield, so you have to ensure that like any ETH that you put in that's not staked serves the purpose of generating swap fees um, that's over and above sort of the the staking yield that you forego. And I think you know if you look at something like a curve, you know they're just doing fifty fifty, right? Like fifty percent unstaked ETH, fifty percent you know Lido ETH, uh, and there's like a billion dollars of each of those. Um, and if you look at it, like you know the real yield from the swap fees plus the staking yield is worse off than, you know, just if you were to have just pure ETH staking yield. Uh, so it's it's like a tough balance, right? Like, so if you look at it from the user standpoint, um, they're almost better off, you know, just taking their ETH and not even LPing it. Uh, so yeah, you have to sort of strike that balance. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure that out. Right now we have 5% unstaked ETH in unsheath. Um, but yeah, we'll sort of, adjust and see like where what makes the most business sense or what makes what gives the best value proposition for our users and i think that's that's how we'll go that that five percent uh uh we just sits there idly and and it serves mainly for users who want to swap from lsd to eth um and i think that also uh is a is an incremental met redemption fee is that correct yeah, that's correct. So essentially what we have is if you swap from an LSD to ETH using our protocol, uh, you can essentially, you know, that that 5% in ETH essentially serves as exit liquidity for that purpose. And there's a small incremental C to it. I think it's like 10 basis points or even less at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially it just serves for the purposes of facilitating those swaps. And at the 5% level, the, the swap fees easily um compensate for the for the foregone staking yield now if it were like 50 percent, i don't think it would right um but if the user wanted to unstake their eth is that possible through unsheath or they would have to go through the the liquid staking protocol itself yeah so direct withdrawals we don't support um what we do support is like instant redemption with uh so Direct withdrawals, you go through the liquid staking provider's website. Um, at the network level, most people can withdraw within 24 hours. Uh, some 
LST providers provide an uh, exit liquidity in the form of ETH uh, directly through their treasury, and others only do that through uh, the curve pool or whatever. Um, so in our case, you know, we can send users to, you know, go 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 exit using the curve pool or go use our five percent ETH to swap out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the move with the conversation a little bit to the to risk guide. We touched on it a little bit earlier with the with the basket weightings, uh, target weights, dynamic fees. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, the the GMX JLP basket composition strategy. Um, but you know, uh, let's say right now you have the four or no seven or six uh, liquid staking tokens within the basket. Uh, say for example, Fraxeth gets hacked, or there's, there's some infinite mint issue, and that token goes to zero. Uh, for someone holding unsheathed, what's the what's the risk for them? Well, could you walk through that process? Yeah, so actually, it is heavily inspired by GMX GLP. So um, it's not, it's not that it's, uh, yeah, it's not a coincidence. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, just on that quick point, I mean, I think like it's similar to the GLP spot swap, um, not the perps, obviously, um, but it is like sort of uh, the GM GLP spot swap suffers from a lot of like call it Oracle based arbitrage. Um, that our product doesn't because, you know, essentially it's all a stable swap, not a volatile asset swap. Um, so the like true Oracle price that we determine uh, is based on the like amount of ETH that's staked um, that backs each LSD. So that's like a pretty well-known quantity. And to the extent it's not well-known, it's only because either some slashing occurred that we didn't pick up or like you said, uh, there's something wrong with the rate and like the LSD gets hacked, right? Um, so... So yeah, let's say, you know, Frax went to zero in this case um, because of whatever reason, like either, you know, their Oracle gets hacked or like the, the ETH is gone or whatever. Um, in that case, the maximum risk to unsheath. Uh, yeah, so what would happen? So then the it would have to be the case that the, so right now, let's say s Fraxy to ETH uh, ratio is like, you know, 1.02 to 1. So like one, one s Fraxy is worth 1.02 um, so then what would happen is that in reality, uh, the S-Track seat is, let's say, worth one S-Track seat is worth like, you know, 0.01 ETH or something, because like 99% of the value was lost. Uh, but their Oracle or whatever that we're reading is still reporting 1.02. That would be the issue. So now if it were the case that it went to zero, but also the Oracle reported that it went to zero, there'd be no issue to uncheat. Because you know we're always looking at the live price, um, but yeah, let's let's take the case where essentially it's actually worthless, but you know it's being reported as not being worthless. So then, what would happen is a user would be able to buy really cheap S seat on alternate decks, and then deposit that S seat into Unsheet uh, in order to mint Unsheet, and then redeem Unsheet into the basket of uh, you know, the all, all six or seven LSDs. So then essentially they would be effectively putting in a worthless asset and draining all the good assets, correct? So the maximum risk associated with this operation is limited to the maximum weight of uh, extract seat in Unsheet. 
because if it were to exceed that weight, um, we would not accept any more deposits. So that's essentially the maximum risk here. So if, say, extract maximum weight were you know 25% of one sheet, um, and obviously that number is going down every day as we add more and more LSTs, then we get more decentralized. So then the maximum risk would be 25%. So 25% of one sheet would be lost in the worst case scenario. Got it. Yeah. So I, you know, I think this model is is great because you you limit the tail risk that that you have with like an AMM like curve where uh, any the weakest asset can can drain the entire pool. Um, but I guess once this haircut happens, that 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 loss is socialized across all unsheathed holders. Is there is there a way for the protocol to to recollateralize? Well, I would say it's not a collateralization issue. Mm-hmm. Because we're not an over-collateralized or a lending protocol. We're simply a wrapper that sits on top of all these things. So it would still be just redeemable into the basket of underlying assets. Those underlying assets are just worth less. So we're not making any explicit promise to redeem Unsheath at one ETH worth equivalent or anything like that. Got it. Right. I mean, sure, like there might be ways to creatively socialize or recover the value, but it's not it's not a guarantee that's being provided got it got it okay um you know moving on to the to sort of the governance side with with the ush token um you know i think the new new tokens are added through through governance um but you mentioned like this like some internal risk framework you you do to for new lsd tokens but what what stops someone from sort of a governance tech and adding a and proposing a uh, you know a, a random LSD token that that's not vetted. Yeah, I mean, ultimately the this is something that we have to consider very carefully as we go through all the things. So first thing I would say is that our governance process is not fully on chain. So like the sort of you know flash borrow us and then buy a lot of it and then sort of put in a malicious proposal can't happen because our governance is uh, done often with snapshot votes for this reason. So, I mean, obviously, the a malicious governance proposer would have to, you know, essentially go through the process of, uh, you know, basically accumulating all the governance power, uh, going through all this, and then making a proposal. And even if they were to pass that proposal, it's all off-chain, so if it didn't make sense, and they didn't have like essentially, you know, access to the multi-sig uh, that they wouldn't be able to like enact those changes. Um, that's point number one. Point number two is like even if like a if a bad LSD, not a malicious but a bad LSD uh, went through governance, um, not maliciously but rather, you know, it was a mistake to approve it because it gets exploited a week later or something like that. Um, then, like I said, you know, the tail risk is limited to the, the maximum weight of the LSD, and we have a rule that says the new LSD can be no more than X percent of the index, so it can't, you know, essentially... And, and just to be clear, that X percent is no more than 10% of the TBL of that LSD, and no more than 10% of unsheathed itself. So, essentially, um, any changes that don't you know, conform to those like guidelines, uh, wouldn't be able to be pushed through. So yeah, that that's basically it. Got it. 
And is there, you know, I understand currently it's multi-state control, but are there plans to, um, you know, decentralized governance and move that on-chain in, in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, so it, when I say controlled by multi-state, what it is, is um, the configurations of adding an LSD to uh, Unsheet is uh, controlled in the following, or is protected in the following way. Uh, it requires uh, essentially a multi-state plus a time lock. Um, so the time lock is required to update the Oracle contract to update our uh, the only contract that's allowed to deposit into Unsheet as well as the only contract that's allowed to swap assets between on sheet. Uh, so essentially, given the combination of all this, the addition of an LSD, uh, you know, is guarded on with a 72 to slightly more than 72 hour time lock. Um, the multi-sig itself is controlled. Uh, so right now we have a 203 multi-sig, like we're, we're about to, or maybe already have expanded it to a three out of four multi-sig. Um, which includes um, external parties. Uh, so it's not just, you know, on-sheet core team members. And going forward, as this process gets more and more hardened, uh, essentially we're in intending to expand this the core, like, configuration multi-sig to like a five out of seven or something like that, uh, including um, several external parties. Uh, you know, we just have to make sure, like, we find the right set of people who are available and don't have conflicts of interest. So it can't just be, for example, you know, the head of Lido or whatever, because then they may not want to sign on for, like, a new LSD being added. So, yeah, that's that's the goal. Um, in terms of, like, moving the governance fully on-chain, uh, I don't think that's feasible uh, near-term for two reasons. One, it just adds a lot of risk to... Um, you know, it's a lot of attack vectors around like governance attacks, like you mentioned. And then the second thing is we're also allowing users uh, who stake their OSH on uh, the layer twos where we deploy to participate in governance. And so there's an aspect of omni-chain governance as well, which is very hard to do completely on-chain and also opens up risk vectors if we do make it completely on-chain. Gotcha. Yeah, th those are good points. Um, I wanted to briefly just go over the the recent exploit. Um, I, th I think things were ultimately resolved, but um, could you just briefly talk about what happened there? Yep. Yeah. So actually, uh, what we had was a security breach. It was not a protocol exploit. So what happened was essentially uh, one of the one of the private keys corresponding to uh, some of our auxiliary contracts that was not the core like on sheet contracts, but rather like some of our farms um, got leaked and uh, a malicious actor who had been sort of watching for activity uh, around this and sort of preparing himself to, um, you know, do the worst that he possibly could essentially, you know, took control of a couple of these contracts. Uh, but essentially given our design, like the core TVL was never at risk because that's all under multi-sig plus time lock. And the most that was at risk was essentially undistributed farm rewards of our Ush token. So it was like two weeks of farm rewards. Uh, so, so that's where it was compromised. Uh, we got back control like pretty much immediately the same day. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, like protocol operations were back to normal. Uh, the thing I would say there is, yeah, like it's unfortunate that it happened. Um, but I would stress that this was, you know, it was it was a mistake. Like it was a. DevOps issue, essentially. Uh, we needed like 
hardened DevOps practices, which we've of course since corrected. In fact, we'd already like corrected most of this over the last month and built like a more robust like development pipeline. But um, some of our legacy code was still in there, and that's what caused this. It was like a commit from a month and a half ago. Um, but anyway, it's all over now. We're basically past it. Um, protocol is back to fully normal operation. It really never was like not in normal operation. And uh, and yeah, we will be we will be making a security blog post later this week. Just. Uh, giving the the bullet points of what happened, what we changed. Yeah. And then one other thing I would mention is uh, we've also done like a full new audit uh, with uh, Paladin, which is uh, one of Layer Zero's auditors, uh, very sharp guys. And essentially we'll be releasing that full audit as well um, later this week. But again, like I said, this the core protocol, the smart contract side was always secure and continues to be secure. and Nothing's, you know, it's always been smooth. Yeah, there was a DevOps issue, which is unfortunate, but, mm -hmm. you know, we just thought we'll pass nice. it. Yeah, that's, all, that's definitely good to know. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the second audit is, will be will be really nice as well to to add to the protocol's uh, security. Um, why don't we, you know, just jump briefly now to, to some of the more exciting parts uh, of Unsheath with uh, the yield opportunities. Um, could, you, could you just, you know, maybe go through some of the opportunities that you can, or different ways you can earn yield through the Unsheath protocol. Um, you know, you have the the, the Unsheath uh, yield itself from from staking and swap fees. You have uh, these partner farms with Balancer, Pancake Swap, Maverick, and then you have uh, you know VD Ush. So uh, yeah, maybe just could you just walk through uh, those those different yield opportunities? Of course, yeah. So so let's start from the perspective of a user that has eat. Right, and they're looking for the best yield on their ETH. So the what you can do is you can essentially stake your ETH with Unsheath um, by just depositing it on our website. And um, essentially, what happens in the background is it'll get uh, it'll get routed to mint or swap into the LSD that is uh, you know the furthest away from its target weight in Unsheath, and then it gets um, deposited into Unsheath and mints Unsheath. Uh, essentially corresponding to the equivalent of one ETH. Uh, so I think, you know, since we launched the current version of Unsheath two months ago, uh, it's accrued like 1% in uh, staking yield plus swap fees. So basically, if you deposit one ETH, you'll get like 0.99 Unsheath or something similar. So now that Unsheath, by simply holding it in your wallet, you'll be earning uh, staking yield plus swap fees, uh, essentially corresponding to like uh, call it like one or two percent above the ETH staking yield uh, right now. Then what you can do with that on sheet is you can use it in a number of DeFi integrations that we have already. Uh, but yeah, like the latest thing that we launched is actually uh, growing on Arbitrum. So you can actually take that on sheet um, that you minted on ETH mainnet, bridge it over to Arbitrum, and deposit it or stake it into our single-sided farms, which, uh, yeah, right now I think it's like a 50% APR in Ush emissions because we just launched this farm yesterday. So if you're one of the early ones in there, you can sort of, uh, yeah, stake your unsheath into that farm and earn uh, Ush emissions as we're bootstrapping our growth on Arbitrum. 
uh, the other thing you can do is you can you can also LP unsheath uh, with ETH on Maverick on ETH mainnet. So that's uh, Maverick is this hot new Dex protocol. They just announced their token today. Um, I'm expecting some sort of retroactive reward to protocols and farmers who are on there early. So it's definitely an interesting spot to go uh, provide liquidity and earn some yield. Um, other opportunities that we have are on Arbitrum. In particular, uh, we, we launched this uh, partnership with TimeSwap, which is a lending protocol where you can get a liquidation-free loan against your own sheet. So the way this thing works is if the price of ETH uh, fall, uh, essentially the, the economics of this is structured such that if you go borrow against your on sheet and the price of ETH uh, falls below 1650, you'd be better off like having borrowed uh, USDC choosing on sheet than holding ETH itself. Uh, so, so I did that. That's pretty cool because you know you never know what you know price of ETH is pretty close to 1650 at this point. Uh, so that's that's an interesting opportunity. Um, and then on the on the governance and Osha side, if you're interested in participating in, uh, you know, in in the governance of the future of OnSheet, then you can of course um, uh, stake your Osh tokens or provide liquidity um, of Osh against ETH or OnSheet, and essentially you can stake that for VDOsh, which is essentially our uh, governance voting power token. So anyway, these are the set of opportunities. Uh, we're going to be launching a lot more on Arbitrum in the coming week. Uh, yeah, we're going to have an announcement going out tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to be launching these liquidity pools and uh, on Camelot. It's going to be very exciting. So I would say, yeah, mint, unsheath, bridge over to Arbitrum and see like what the exciting opportunities are. Nice. Yeah, definitely a lot going on uh, on the yield side. Um, and I think you alluded to this earlier, but uh, there could be possibility of maybe Ush Wars where protocols uh, buy Ush to direct incentives. Do you see uh, there eventually being a bribe marketplace? Yeah, so we're building a bribe marketplace. Um, that's like that that we're already doing. So it's just a matter of um, scaling it. So it wouldn't make sense to launch a bribe marketplace where there's only four LSD protocols like competing for it. So first, we want to scale the number of LSEs. Uh, that we support, we want to scale our TVL. So like there's value proposition to having a spot in Unsheet. And we want to scale our DeFi utility. Um, so essentially, you know, it's not just an LSE wrapper. It's like something more exciting than that. Uh, so so that's why we're launching on Arbitrum, our scaling new LSE protocols. Yeah, I think the, the governance bribe marketplace should, um, it should be up like later this month or early next month. Um, and then, yeah. Ashwars will be great for us, obviously. <laughs> we all we already have a couple of protocols that are like signed up to, you know, try to accumulate Ush. Uh there's this one called Gusher, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um plus there's a number of like uh auto compounder lending protocols that are sort of been uh engaging in conversations to try to accumulate Ush in order to uh grow their voting power. Um we'll also have Another utility to the Ush token, um, which is that, uh, or like another set of things you could potentially bribe for, uh, which is that in in order to grow unsheathed liquidity, I mean, in my mind, 
like all state ETH, liquid state ETH should be replacing native ETH in like almost all DeFi applications. Now we would prefer for that to be unsheathed. You know, right now, I think Lido has already made some inroads here, but I think it would be great if, you know, next time someone launches a Pepe fork, they pair it against unsheathed instead of ETH. And that I think is really the way to grow utility. Or like you have an NFT mint, um, you could be minting it with unsheathed instead of ETH. I mean, there's no reason why, like, you know, uh, liquid state deep can't be the base layer asset. So essentially, we have a way where we're developing a marketplace where essentially uh, users can, or protocols can uh, pair against Unsheath, help grow our liquidity in exchange for us incentives. And the degree of us incentives they would receive is proportional to the voting share they get for that particular pool. Uh, which would be governed by a governance marketplace, governance private marketplace. So this is something that we're building again, like next month or two. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, uh, it leaked a lot of alpha there on uh, some of the future uh, plans for Unsheath. Um, definitely really exciting to hear. Uh, you know, just lastly, is there any anything else upcoming in the roadmap? I think you've already talked about a lot of it that, that users should know about. Yeah, I think I leaked yeah. off there. Uh, the only other like pathway for expansion that wasn't previously mentioned is, yeah, look, there's a lot more layer tools than just Arbitrum. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them with thriving uh, LSD5 liquid staking ecosystems that are up and coming using new technologies. Um, that, yeah, that's that's all I'll say <laughs> for now. Okay, great. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's all the questions I had. Um, we can open the question. We can open it up to the community now if there are any uh, questions. Well, not the community here, but uh, I would love to hear sort of uh, from the exponential DeFi perspective of, yeah, sort of like what it looks like to integrate Unsheath with you guys, and sort of, yeah, how are you guys, you know, what's what's your role in this ecosystem? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think one actually raised their hand as well. Yeah, so you know, for for us, we're we're served to be, um, you know, we want to be a respected voice in DeFi in terms of risk assessment. Um, that, that's that was our initial goal, and you know, our second goal is to is to just simplify the DeFi investment process. Um, you know, as many of these of us DeGens know, um, the the initial learning curve to to get ramped up into DeFi is I would say pretty steep. You have to learn how to bridge different chains, you have to learn MetaMask, uh, read different contracts, et cetera. And so at Exponential, we're really trying to simplify that whole process uh, into you know just a few clicks, and you can invest in any DeFi pool across chains. Um, you know, right now, we're, we're in live beta uh, for our invest for early, uh, early users. Um, and then, you know, in terms of integrating Unsheath, it's 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 a process. Uh, we've you know we've covered protocol, um, but you know, take it'll take it'll, I think you know it'll, it'll take a little bit of time to to get the actual pool to be investable. But we we will eventually list, um, you know, all the, all the Unsheath pools as well. Yeah, I don't see any other questions, so I think we can call we can wrap it up here. Thanks, uh, Wagami, for for this conversation. It's real insightful. Uh, definitely learned a lot about Unsheath. Thanks everyone for joining.